From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Weird Science marks the halfway point in John Hughes' teen film domination of the 80s and his full-on embrace of the teen sex comedy with the full male gaze. Some elements are slightly more responsible, and others might make you want to throw up. This movie also shows how it's fine if a 15 and a 23-year-old girl make out. <laughs> or she throws herself at him and offers her body up for sex repeatedly. That too. That's okay, because this is 80s movies. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. I'm Riley Roberts. And I'm Tara McNamara. Weird Science is about 15-year-old Wyatt and 16-year-old Gary, two best friends who are considered dorks by Shermer High School standards, and they just want a woman. So they make one. Like, I guess their hands just weren't doing it anymore. <laughs> I uh, love that Weird Science thinks in 1985 that computers could just create a woman. I do. This or did... have a mind for itself. Yeah, that you're able to do all of that, uh, that that would be possible. Um, I did think, you know, with 3D printers today, they seem to make a remarkable amount. I'm surprised no one has tried this. It would definitely be good for a remake if this movie could ever be remade. Well, I mean, we have, there's sex dolls that are like human size and like, it's really gross. It, sex, yeah, like cyber sex robot mm -hmm. kind of things. Yeah. And mm -hmm. also, so I guess in a way, computers could make that. And yeah. also, with the internet, you know, the internet wasn't around in 1985. But of course, in the looking into the future, porn readily available, as were, you know, other things that you can do with women, you know, online. So all of that, in a way, came true. Yeah. But this movie's... I find this movie very disturbing on many levels. It is very disturbing. I was, like, gagging, like, half the movie. Like, I just want to throw up. Where, where do you want to start? Um, alright, so she comes out in her underwear. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fact that Robert Downey Jr. and his friend are like, hey, wanna let us borrow her? And we'll oh. let you borrow our girlfriends? yeah. I mean, thank goodness Wyatt and Gary yeah, say like, no, but... somehow they had a brain after... Sorry. They're kind of like, After well... all of that, somehow they had a brain. Yeah, but... But they, but they think, I can't... I'm not going to do this to Lisa, but I will show you how to create your own sex slave. Mm -hmm. And these are for boys who are far less likely to treat the woman they create with any well, decency yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, the misogyny in this movie is really difficult to take. What I find fascinating, and I like to at least get the good parts out of the way, <laughs> like at least focus that there are some good parts, because part of what John Hughes' um, you know, mission was, I think that he felt, and this is according to Anthony Michael Hall at the time, was that there were all these teen sex comedies, and they were so offensive, and that John Hughes was trying to give voice to real teens and and show real teen situations and feelings and emotions and that he was he was trying to do that but this movie kind of makes that seem suspect but maybe this movie's the best we could get in the 80s because what you have is you know what what you essentially have is that you have a woman who who does deliver they try to come up with their dream girl their fantasy woman and what is a perfect woman and this is very much what a 12 year old boy would think his his perfect woman is and then she actually shows them what their real fantasy is right and makes their real fantasies come true that they have self-confidence 
that uh, that they get acceptance in their high school and that they find two girls who really like them for them. And that's, you know, and they never actually have sex with Lisa as far as we know. <laughs> I, that's as far as we know, dude. I have no idea because she, she had a lot, she had a big mouth when it came to that. And she would walk around and she'd be like, he's like, oh. I know. I can't even. I can't even. I don't even know. Well, remember the three things that they 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 mix. They take images from Playboy and Vogue and and Albert Einstein. You know, for her brain. Although initially they put fifth grade brain capacity. Right. Uh, but they put in Albert Einstein, so that's why she's so smart. And then they put in David Lee Roth. They figure Dave TV from Van Halen, who was this, you know, outspoken lippy you know funny wise guy and so that's supposed to be part of her personality uh, of what they received um so all of that said that they did try to say something good in the end uh, maybe possibly there's still so much in there that's not okay and and i think that what we do is it's not necessarily filmmaker intent you know if, if John Hughes was making this movie to say, no, you should really respect women, and I don't think that's what he was trying to say. But no. if it was, if we give him all of that credibility to, to, to help, uh, to, to try and outplay, I guess, these teen sex comedies, we have to really look at what the takeaway of the film is. Because it doesn't matter what the intent is. It's what audiences take away from the film. My takeaway is that men can't do anything without women. <laughs> <laughs> Or at least a woman by their side. Yeah. And to I, up their confidence and higher their ego and make make them feel accepted because they have someone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there is that. There is this... Um, I, I was I was thinking while I was re-watching the film, you know, may, is it okay that at least it's a woman who's telling them who's their, who's their guide? You know, is it... Is the woman, like, tells them, hey, you need to have self-respect. Hey... You need to do this. I, and I feel like she comes off a little bossy, which I don't appreciate. But ultimately, I think that that's not okay. I want the boys to discover that on their own. I don't want anyone. I don't want a Chet to tell them. I don't want uh, Elisa to tell them. I want them to find their own self-esteem and self-confidence. Uh, I, I feel like that's what we need to see. But, <clears throat> yeah, I think that um, when we look at the overall takeaway of the film, it still is that it asserts that women only exist for sexual purposes. Yep. That's it, literally all this movie did. Yeah. Just exploit that. Right, right. And even when you look at, uh, and even when you look at the fact that these girlfriends they get at the end, wh why do they like Hilly and Deb? Like, why do they like them? What, what have we seen about these two girls that make them likable? They're on the cheerleading team. Well, see, that's <laughs> not... That's, I know. They're pretty. Okay. They were with the popular boys. I mean, what about them? They were girls who chose to date two guys who they admit are tools because they get them into cool parties and introduce them to people and they're popular. So they're shallow. There's And they only like Gary and Wyatt. Because they had Lisa. Yeah. And they were like, how did they get Lisa? Yeah, this girl's so beautiful. So how would, if you've had that girl so beautiful, then why would you even like me? By the way, inserting that into women's brains who are watching this movie. Yeah. Like, oh, because you've had a beautiful girlfriend, then anyone less than that isn't, you know, all you'll do is think about her. So why should I even bother? Oh, I think I'll go kill myself. I mean, 
know, it's really, it's really disturbing. And so, so they really never make, we never really see anything about these two girls. Then they're cute. And that once they learn that they had sex with her, you know, she had sex with them, then they might as well too. Like, okay, now these are the guys to be with. Um, Even though they were, they stayed in the bathroom when the girls asked if they could leave so that they could go to the bathroom. Yeah. And, and I just went in the shower and then looked over to look at them. Yeah. Exactly like Valley Girl. Right, right, where he's hiding in the shower. I know. Why was that okay? These, these, It's fascinating <laughs> to watch in a kind of a group and think about, like, all of the peeping Tom moments, all of the times where someone's hiding in the shower while things are going on. Um, so something else that really bothers me about the film is how Lisa says over and over again that Gary and Wyatt control her. Mm-hmm. That she belongs to them. That she has to, she must do what they say. And uh, and so I feel like that idea gets put into boys' minds then. Oh, how awesome is that? If I could control a woman. If I, if you know, I didn't have to listen to her talk back to me. If I didn't have to, you know, listen to her opinions on things. <laughs> if she just would do whatever I would tell her to do. That's the perfect woman. And, you know, besides the whole kind of weird slave element of it. Yeah. Really, really disturbing to me. This movie just gave me so much so much anxiety. Just, like, whenever <laughs> whenever they would, like, trash the house. or, But then I'd be like, no, there's no reason to have anxiety. Because Lisa can just snap her fingers and fix it, right? And mm-hmm. it'll be totally fine. Right. But then they're, once I realize that they're freaking out. And they keep panicking about what's going to happen, that his parents are going to come home, and that he can't throw a party, and, like, all this other stuff. And I'm like, why are you panicking right now? Yeah. There's no reason to panic right now. Right, right. I mean, and that's, like, the the, the magic element of it is um, kind of fascinating, too. Especially because even, even with his most over-the-top movies, I mean, I felt like there was, at least in the 80s, there was at least, it was at least grounded somewhat in reality. So it was really weird that John Hughes did this completely, you know, fantasy, magical kind of situation. So when I think about that this, you know, 20-something-year-old woman, someone who's clearly a woman uh, and an adult, is continues to offer herself up for sex to these children. And then when I see her kissing Wyatt and grabbing that his butt... That me out so much, like so much yeah i mean you're just so watching pedophilia much. it's just like I oh and you're like thinking of like mary Kay letourneau and all of these female teenager or female teachers going after teenagers and like you know it's not okay the gender it doesn't matter which gender is which it's not okay yeah, it's, it's not. so gross mm-hmm. um but i thought well you know why it falls asleep right 10 minutes into my gymnastics routine you know he fell asleep and i thought well she could be making him fall asleep if i'm gonna if i'm gonna go down that route to give lisa the benefit of the doubt that she never intends to actually act on these things but i still think it's disturbing that there's never a feeling where lisa wants to be with gary and wyatt that she has any actual sexual desire for them she says the right things when she's with other oh i i'm together why are you together with this guy you know malak whatever they called him malaka um and she says, oh, purely for sexual purposes. And the idea to tell everyone else that she's sleeping with them. Mm-hmm. But 
there's never any indication that she wants to or has interest in them or or has any sexual desire for them. So it's more, again, uh, well, you made me, so I have to sleep with you. And as a woman, I mean, so on one hand, I thought, well, it's kind of refreshing that a woman's like just kind of sexually open and um, and not limited to views of what men should be, especially in the 80s when all of this, you know, this testosterone and guns and all of that, which we'll get to, guns in a second, uh, that she could, that she would be interested into, you know, thin... <laughs> geeky smart guys uh, although i don't know if we ever saw they were smart they were horny i don't know if we had any evidence that they were actually smart i think the blonde kid had straight a- straight A's. yeah and the other kid has a computer so we have to assume yeah he's probably a type b <laughs> well he figured out how to tap into you know norad or something like that yeah. so so somehow we we can assume i guess he has some brains okay additionally this perpetuates the idea, or maybe even creates it, that, you know, you have to have a trophy wife to be taken seriously. What makes you cool? What makes you successful? Well, you only if you have a beautiful woman. So as much as this film is supposed to be about these guys finding their own self-esteem and self-confidence, right. uh, it only comes through the idea that a, a, a beautiful woman legitimizes it. And so again, a woman is more of a object to attain rather than just someone to get to know and that your personality matters. And to love. And <laughs> to treat like an actual human being. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the guns. How did you feel about the three scenes where guns were sudden, suddenly appeared to, to be shoved in someone's face? Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't really have any words. Like, that was just like, what? Yeah. I mean, all, all times, it was just, what? Of course, Lisa can magically come up with a gun, but to be having, you know, a reason, uh, having a conversation with Gary's parents and then suddenly produce a gun. Yeah. Is bizarre. Right. And, uh, and then again, the gun appears magically when he's, uh, when he's, when the Mad Max gang comes in. And then, uh, once again, Chet has his hunting rifle and just sticks it in the, in the nose yeah. of, of both the girl and, um, and Gary, you know, and, and then I, I guess Wyatt, I, I can't even recall if he did it again. But the point is, is like guns just keep popping up. And so I think what is, you know, sort of the, the, what, it, what is the takeaway with that? Well, I mean, the takeaway is that it's sort of, you know, it is a fantasy. It's a fantasy point of view when you're someone who's been bullied or that you can't get your parents to understand you, or whatever, that you could somehow pull something out that would make them stop what they're doing and that you just get to get your way. But it really, it just says, you know, if I can't overpower you with reason, then I'll overpower you with a firearm, firearm with a threat of death. I mean, yeah. it's really, really bizarre. And then, haha, I get the last laugh because I have the bigger weapon because I can blow you away. And it was just really weird. And I get like it's supposed to be funny, but I, don't, I didn't find it funny. And I really wondered it if anyone funny. laughed at that. I mean, maybe you laugh when it turns out not to be a water gun, you know, when he shoots the chandelier. But I don't know. I didn't find any of those moments funny or creative or original, uh, but disturbing. Yeah. I didn't find them funny either. Um, but it ties back into this whole, you know, masculinity thing. Because ultimately with the Mad Max... Um, moment when he when he beats them by pop pointing a gun it's sort of um, 
it, it's establishing Gary's masculinity over these tough guys, you know, because I have a gun, I am stronger than you. I can best you. Um, okay. And then the other thing that I found to be incredibly disturbing is how racist it is. Uh, oh yeah. It's very racist when he's like trying to redo, do the voice of uh, pretty much just doing the voice of a black guy. Yeah. Like, or pimp. Uh huh. I mean, speaking to the, I mean, first of all, they show up at the candy bar and Gary says, I don't think we belong here. You know, why? Yeah. Because, I mean, if you want to say, because everyone is so much older than us, <laughs> that would be At acceptable. At first I thought it was because they were kids, because I saw some white people there. Yeah. But then they were all, but then when they were all hanging out, mm-hmm. that's when it got right. too far. A little too much. <laughs> I, I thought the same thing, because I was like, okay, there's white people, it's just that everyone's so much older, but I, I, I think too, like, what's your impression of the club? It, the, that it's dangerous. You know, and then, and you, and they initially show you shots of black people and that's how, and then he goes into the bathroom and two of the men at the urinal are black and the idea is black people are scary and, you know, which is this, is what you see over and over in movies of the eighties. Um, but yeah, it seems, it's like really racially insensitive. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and I think, you know. And even when he's saying it like to the other, like. Black people, like, they don't even care. They just laugh at it. And yeah. I'm like, really? Right. Like, I get he's a kid and he's drunk and he's just, like, spewing stupid shit out of his mouth. But, like, mm-hmm. I would slap him across the face. <laughs> well, I think that this is part of what allows... I mean, this is movies' influence. This is film's influence. When you hear of these stories about white people wearing blackface uh, and thinking that that was okay in the eighties, uh, or even beyond, it's because movies like this exist where you see black people laughing when they're confronted with, uh, racially insensitive or, or, or participating, the black actors participating in racially insensitive behavior. So, you know, you think, well, wouldn't the actor say something to the writer director of the film? And no, I mean, you have someone who's a powerful writer, director, you're a black actor. Guess what? You're not getting a lot of in the eighties work. <laughs> so you have a chance. You right. make the best of it. If you question it, I mean, I just had a situation come up where, and this has nothing to do with it, but like, I just had a situation come up where, uh, I was supposed to write a piece, uh, and my editor had said, you know, submit some questions and I submitted my questions, uh, and they were like, you know what? After reading your questions, your questions are really good and it helped us realize that we shouldn't be writing this piece. So now I'm not getting paid. <laughs> right now I don't have a job and I'm not getting money because I was too good at my job. And I think the same thing here, that if you question, then you would just get replaced. And it's not, or maybe they just go, you're right. And then they get rid of the scene and then you're not working. So right. who, how do you win? You don't. Um, but the thing that I did appreciate, and my only hope is that besides the fact where the scary black man makes Gary drink alcohol um is that that these were just like older guys you know they weren't like once you saw them they weren't scary they were just and they they looked like someone's dad you know who are just having a nice night out and the one who was being offensive was gary who was trying to be who blend in by saying oh this eighth grade bitch you know and she had big titties and and he, they, he's the one who's being offensive, not them. So that if anything saves it, and I put that with five asterisks afterwards, it would be that the actors, you know, 
in the end, like, played it straight and didn't really play along. Right. And I, and I also don't like how he was talking about the eighth grade girl with big titties. Like, stop sexualizing a fucking 12-year-old. Well, yeah, I agree. And beyond that, um, there is the language that's used toward women. Okay, so boys, there are name. I mean, there's a lot of name calling. Name, you know, guys are called dicks, dickweed, dickhead, and asshole. You know, um, so you do. It's not that boys aren't getting male gender uh, insults handed to them, but boy, you know, women are hussies. They're um, bimbos, they're bitches, you know, and we hear that over and over again. And I mean, as a woman, it's kind of, uh, I don't mind if a woman uses the word bitch to refer to herself, or even if a woman says to another woman, you know, calls each other, like in fun, if they call each other bitch, but uh, boy, when a guy says it. (laughs) You just want to punch him in his face. Yeah. It's just like, you have no right to say that. You really, he, they really don't, because if anything, they're the bitch. Yeah. And they're the ones with pussies. <laughs> For real. Men are literally girls. Mm-hmm. Like, they complain about everything. Yeah. They private. They don't get their way. It's so stupid. Well, in, in going back to that, I do want to kind of come back to an earlier point, and I think that the, this will uh, uh, tie, finish our podcast, you know, um, that... That kind of the idea of the reason why Wyatt and Gary ha- create this fantasy woman, but then never act on their fantasies with her, is the idea that really they're weak, right? They're, if they were real men, they would have... Raped her. Well, you know, I mean, you know, what did... Something gross Gary says is something like... Something... Oh, what is it? Like a bone, give her a long bone or something. Yeah, I don't something know. Something was really like icky. Um, but they make all of these comments about what they will do when they have the woman, and they, they never do. And the reason is supposed to be, oh, they're so weak, and they're so, because they're so nerdy, they couldn't possibly actually pull it off, you know? No, just because they have respect for women. <laughs> At least a little bit. I don't know. I feel like Wyatt did. I'm never really sure about Gary. I honestly love Wyatt. Like, yeah. out of the whole movie, Wyatt was probably the best character. Yeah, because Wyatt's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. I don't think we should. All right. <laughs> and then his house gets trashed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know. You come from a long line of people who, it's a good idea at the time, kind of went along. Like, Sam's like, well, should we do that? Like, you're the voice of reason, and yet you do it anyway, you know? <laughs> so I want to see the outcome. <laughs> Reasoning um, always has an end outcome. <laughs> so if they remade this movie, and I don't know that they there's a way not. to do it, yeah, they should they should just leave it in the history books. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've read people saying, "Oh, you should do a gender swap," but I don't know if that makes it okay. I think it still makes it gross. Mm, yeah, it's still definitely gross. I like mean, create just creating someone like your fantasy person. Mm-hmm. It's just and using it for sex purposes. Yeah, like that's. That's taking away their human rights. I mean, I know that they're technically not human because they're not. They didn't actually. They were never a baby. They were never anything. But mm-hmm. still, like it's still gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, this is eighties movies. <laughs> and I appreciate you guys listening. Please uh, subscribe to our podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, or Mm-hmm. 
at 80s Movie Guide and our website is 80smovieguide.com. Thanks. Stand my intention.